Eat, drink, smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. I'm Tony Katz. Good to be with you. That right there is Fingers Malloy. We're at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. That's where we record. They're in Nashville. They're in Houston. They're in Pittsburgh. We record out of the Indianapolis location because that's where we live. Uh, A bourbon I have wanted to try for a while. Uh, right here, one of the Woodford Reserves is what we're going to be Ooh. reviewing. You got to make sure you get with Backbone Bourbon, our fantastic sponsor, and get them in your liquor cabinet today. The prime, the uncut, you got to get the uh, the Bone Snapper Rye in there, the gin in there. Backbone Bourbon is sipping whiskey. It is not meant for the party. It's not meant to slam. It's not meant to get loaded on. It's meant to kick back, relax, and enjoy with. These people do an excellent job of distilling something that is special. It's out of Indiana. It's out of Kentucky. It's got a whole nice, cool pedigree to it, which you'll find out at BackboneBourbon.com, and you want it in your liquor cabinet. Listen, uh, if, if you want something just to get loaded on, God bless. God bless. This is not it. This is something to share with friends. This is something to kick back, relax, and enjoy with. Take your time with. They're proud of what they do. There's an art to this, and they want you to enjoy it, and you can enjoy it in all the ways. The bourbon, both the, the prime and the uncut man, I'll tell you, they get into the higher profiles of the, uh, of the uh, proof, of the alcohol by volume. Never my speed. A finger's Malloy speed, but not my speed. Uh, it is uh, the... Uh, it is the it's the bourbon. It's the bo- I'm not I'm seeing the rye. It's the bone snapper for me. That is just absolutely positively special. And if you're not a gin person, check out the Backbone Bourbon gin and what it is that they do and how uh, they distill it. So that's Backbone Bourbon. Ask for it by name. Tell me you heard about it on the Eat Drink Smoke podcast and then go buy it and put it in your liquor cabinet. And I will announce we have a winner. Two winners from last week's contest. I'm doing two. I am doing two. One person almost paid attention. The other person did pay attention. So I don't know whether just to tell the other person too bad you didn't pay attention or to be a, a gentleman. Well, I, 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 here's the deal. I'm pretty sure that if you have an existing account, you can't just change your name. So what we told people yes, last week was, if you leave a review as Pierre Delecto, <laughs> we will send you five uh, cigars. of our two. I will choose them. Five cigars we will send to you. So someone added Pierre Delecto to the review, and then somebody else, their name on Apple Podcasts is Pierre Delecto. And both of them were well done, by the way. Yeah, they're really good. So what I'm thinking is we're going to send uh, the guy who added Pierre Delecto. I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. We're going to send them five cigars. And the person who named themselves Pierre Delecto, we're going to send you ten. Look we're at gonna, you. We're going to send you ten cigars. That's it. I don't. I have yet to figure out how we're going to get in touch with these people, but we're going to do it. That's that's this week's project. We're going to get in touch with them, and 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 congratulations. And so that that contest is closed. We'll get into other contests in the future. This fingers Malloy is from the Masters Collection of Woodford Reserve. I'm a fan. I've enjoyed it. The best Woodford I've ever had is actually at a local place here in Indianapolis called St. Elmo's, which is a famous uh, steakhouse here. Actually, oddly enough, it's a steakhouse in the Midwest known for a shrimp cocktail, which is made with so much outrageously fantastic horseradish. Clear the sinuses, and and, and that first bite is painful. And you know what's fun is when you see locals here bring someone in from out of town, and they don't tell them about how strong— that horseradish cocktail sauce is, and then they take their first bite, and then you see them like, yeah. waving their hands towards their face. The eyes because, are watering the yes. whole thing. But I was there, and it had a wonderful Woodford Reserve. This is the Master's Collection. Now, this is not 
this super strong as I know you like to go. This is 45.2% alcohol by volume. So this is 90 proof. This is a 90 proof. Oddly enough, a touch medicinal on the nose. Are you getting apple? Um, ooh, look at you. Look at you with a nose. Um, first of all, it's a beautiful color. This is a deep, dark brown. This is amber into, uh, actually, uh, the, 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 the browns here. Um, as described, uh, this is something that's going to give you uh, burnt pepper, grain, and baking spice. Because this is the Woodford Reserve Master's Collection Oat Grain Bourbon. So the idea that it gave you apple only means that you're high. Okay. I assume that's what it means. The, the, um, the palate is supposed to give sweet molasses, a little bit of brown sugar with cinnamon, and some toasted wood, a bit of leather hanging on uh, to, to the back of it. Probably applewood. Let's see what you did there. Actually, it, there is a touch of apple juice thing going Thank on. That's you. very weird. That's very weird. Are you ready for this? Now, yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it does smell a touch medicinal. It smells strong. I've got plenty of blends, uh, horseradish mustard. Right. So I'm trying to cleanse the palate. Yeah, we did the charcuterie plate before before we began. Here's how it went. I ate every bit of the meat and cheese that was on there, and I left the bread for fingers. That's basically how it worked. All right, are you ready? Yes. Are you right? So we do it neat, as we always do, and then we've got the, the large rock side, just in case we want to transfer it. You ready? You, you, you go first. L'chaim. That's uh, Hebrew for L'chaim. Puchos, puchos, scholar. That's not how it worked. It's not even science, you bigot. I'm telling you, the nose is strong. Wow, that is really, really smooth. Is it? No, you know how sometimes we'll do uh, these bourbons that'll have 120, uh, 130 proof, and it'll sting your tongue. Mm-hmm. None of that with this. Well, we're not. We're nowhere near there. I mean, we're no, at, we're at 80, we're at a ninety. We're at a ninety point four proof. All right, here we go. I'm going. I've been trying to cleanse the palate from the from the meats and the cheeses. All right, here we go. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. Holy cow, that's awful. (laughs) I'm sorry, Woodford Reserve. I'm sorry, did I say that wrong? This bottle goes for $130 a bottle. Sometimes oh, upward it. of $199 a oh, bottle. Oh, stop it. Oh. It has to be what I ate. It has to be. Are you kidding? Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. Um, here we go. Wait. Oh. Oh, that is unflattering cough syrup. That's terrible. Are you done with it? I'm, yeah, I'm done with it. It's all you, man. You just doubled up. Just du- That is awful. Like, I can't... All right, first of all, to the fruit thing, I'm getting, like, a very rotten plum kind of feel <laughs> really uh, uh, from this. The idea... You know what? Sweet molasses might be an interesting way to put it. It is syrupy. It's mm-hmm. got almost a... It even says the mouth feels conspicuously syrupy in a couple of the reviews yep. that, that, I, that I have. Oh, God, no. Not on a bet. Not on your life. Not, not if your grandmother was drowning. Oh, oh Here, that's really bad. Here's the deal. Mm. When, you, when you take a sip, it does oh. feel like it coats your tongue. Oh, There is like a molasses, syrupy kind of feel to it. And uh, there's a medicinal chaser to it. Uh, 
I will drink it because I'd hate to see booze go to waste. But when you just said it's $130 a bottle. Oh, my God. There is no way. I mean, if somebody I'd rather make out with Maisie Hirono. And here's the deal. You yeah. look at it now. It oh, When it's on a rock. Dude, it's still, it's still it outrageously looks- dark. Outrageously dark. Oh, that is. That, I'm sorry. And I, I was, I was praising him. I had a fantastic Woodford at St. Almost. I can't remember which one it was. That's a mess. I don't think it's terrible, but <laughs> like I don't, getting, feel, I don't, I really don't feel good right now. I, like it's that. that oh my bad? god, that's terrible. That's terrible. I have never called any the Pritchards. The Pritchards was, say. was terrible. This, this is a step up from the Pritchards. I will drink this, and I don't have a problem drinking it. I, I'm not. I'm not giving you a, a, a whiskey face when right. I'm drinking this. It's not like I'm having Fireball, you know. Uh, you know, which is is should there's. Only I would one rather flavor. have Fireball. Oh, good lord! But it's it's. There's no way that that should be. I would rather drink Goldschlager out of the belly button of a midday stripper in Vegas. I don't think you should shy. If somebody offers this to you and it's this or nothing, don't shy away from it. But it's it. $130 a bottle, that's obscene for this. I don't know. You, you got, of all the, everything we talk about, you got to try it for yourself. Don't, don't just live and die by, by this. It's not good. I'm, what I'm saying is, is that it's not good. It's like wood and fruit and medicine and syrup. It's, and, it's sitting, and not in a good way. I did not feel it on the tongue. I did not feel it on the back of the palate. I did not feel it on the on on the throat. I did not feel it in the mid chest. I feel it in my stomach. It's actual rock gut. But would you have it in a boat? And would you have it with a goat? <laughs> that's, dude, that's really bad. Uh, I will. Holy I will, cow! I, I'll I'm yours. the guy who just said Woodford Reserve is bad. Like that's the end of the podcast. Thank you, Cleveland. <laughs> good night. Holy crap, man. It's so bad. It's an odd color. I just keep looking at it when it, I it, put it down. So the coloring is if you had a glass uh, and you filled it with ice and then you filled it with, with half with, with Coke and then you left it out for an hour and it got watered yeah. down, that's the color. And, it's not, and that would taste better. God, I, I still can't get over the $130 a bottle. And it sells for as much as $199. No way. No. No. On, no. on, on no planet. Could you one hundred and thirty dollars this? No planet, none. Less than, and, that, and by the way, this is this is the oat grain. This is not indicative of all Woodfords. This is the oat grain one from the Masters Collection. Whew. But Woodford Reserve would make an excellent sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's over. That is over. Let me take it. Oh, the, the so we record on on a Monday. And, and that's going to be changing, right? We're no yes. longer recording on Monday. Unfortunately. Mondays. And this is the way it goes. One of the interesting things and the fun things about having recorded this day is that breaking news we're like on top of. So the big breaking news of the weekend was the death of uh, Baghdadi. Uh, it's a name some people know, not everybody's familiar with, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Everyone knows him as the guy who created ISIS, right? Uh, and, and this terrorist organization who kills Everybody and anybody in their path and in their wake. They kill Christians. They kill Jews. They kill Muslims. They kill straight people. They kill gay people. They kill men. They kill women. Doesn't matter. And so they are universally reviled. You shouldn't think that's just the United States that hates them. Even with this whole Turkey, Syria, Kurdish uh, dilemma and, and the Russians in there as well, all four of them hate ISIS. So when this whole raid happened, it was Delta Forces, 50 to 70 of them and Rangers. Six helicopters or more flying over Russian airspace 
do a couple other things. It was a it was very secret. Uh, there are Democrats upset that the Gang of Eight weren't notified, that the Speaker wasn't notified. The War Powers Act would say that they have to be notified. Well, they can be notified afterwards as well. They can absolutely be notified afterwards. So there's a couple of there's a bit of grace within how that works. But there is uh, post Vietnam the War Powers Act and how some of these things are supposed uh, to happen. Um, so there are people complaining about that, but still an incredible, incredibly well done and well carried out and good. I'm glad it happened. Uh, it's not the end of ISIS, and people should not fool themselves nor kid themselves that it's the end of ISIS. I always have said that the president is wrong on this one. He, he shouldn't go about saying that we've destroyed ISIS. You've messed up the caliphate for sure. You've put them on the run. You've captured a lot of people. But you're talking about an ideology, and the ideology is not dead. They're still indoctrinating via the deep web and the dark web. These things are still happening, and they're still dangerous, and you have to stay on it. This doesn't, unfortunately, I, I would love for it to end in my lifetime. I would love for, for my kids to have a life of no ISIS. I can't guarantee that. And you certainly can't guarantee that if you in any way think that it's handled. It's not. But you celebrate this because it's going to seriously disrupt and damage them. Right? It's, it's like the whole conversation when Trump was saying he died like a dog. He died whimpering. He died crying. And people are like, oh, he's just piling on. The former Obama deputy CIA director is like, oh, it's a pile on. We tried very hard not to do these things with Osama bin Laden. It's not a pylon. One of the people said uh, in that same interview that you're going to actually uh, make these people more violent and, and incite them to, to violence. You can't incite people to violence who are already there. They're already there. The, the, the mythology that somehow because you said you're, you're, you call this guy a dog, that somehow there's going to be more violence is nonsense. It is not. I have spoken to majors. I have spoken to uh, people in the know. It, and of course, we know. We don't even need a military background to know. That's ridiculous. It is a total, total lie. That brings us to the Washington Post. I, 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 that was the, the basis of, of the press conference. The Washington Post put out a headline. And the headline was Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, Islamic State's terrorist-in-chief, dies at 48. It was the obituary section. Okay, terrorist-in-chief. Now, I would have gone with murderous bastard. That would have been my call, my choice. That's what I would have put down. But they go with terrorist-in-chief. Uh, what, what am I going to do? Tell them they can't? I'm going to tell them not to? It's close, at least. Well, there's an uproar. There's an uproar that, you would, and th that the Washington Post would call him terrorist-in-chief. People are angry. I don't know why they're angry about it. So what does the Washington Post do? They change their headline, Fingers Malloy. They change their headlines, everybody. And what is their headline now? Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, dies at 48. What the hell? What do you even do at this moment? Because two things happened here that are worthy of our conversation. First, they changed the headline because they got pressured. So the question is, let's start with part one. Why in the world did they get pressured to change a headline that read Islamic State's terrorist-in-chief um, dies at 48? Why were they... I'm asking you. Let's see if you have the answer, Fingers Malloy. We have not talked about this. No, we have not. Why, why did they change the headline? Because of that thinking that you brought up in the setup is oh we can't two two things you can't use that sort of language because that could 
incite more violence. And, and the second uh, is uh, you, you can't come across as an Islamophobe. Okay, I wasn't even thinking of either two of the either one of those, but I think those are both good answers. Somebody in the social justice camp said, "Oh no, no, this is going to incite violence." No, no, no. It seems like you're calling all Muslims terrorists, and oh, we have to change that. Now that's very, very possible. What I argued is this headline makes it look like Donald Trump did something good, and we cannot have a society <laughs> that shows that Donald Trump did something good. So they change the headline, and what do they change the headline to? Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at home of Islamic State, dies at 48. The definition of austere, by the way, um, stern and cold in appearance or manner, morally strict. Murdered people for being gay by putting them in cages and drowning them. He's, he was a stickler on morals, Tony. Right? <laughs> That's austere. So first... The Washington Post caves from what was a fair headline. And then they go to a headline to try and make a guy who is a murderous bastard look like he's somehow decent. Somehow it's it was. Oh, what a uh, he was. He was he was very he was very devout. Don't you know? Devout all the way to the end when he blew up a suicide vest and killed three other children in a tunnel. I'm your point, I think, is valid and one that I should give a little more credence to that. It was done by the social justice warriors uh, because you can't have any moments where somehow you're not, you know, it can't seem to be a bad look on on Islamists. There's a difference between Islamists and Muslims who are our neighbors and our friends and our buddies and our pals. And dear Lord, there's a difference. Grow up. But what are we all in in the crazy? But this is 2019, Tony. And, you know, calling himself a calling him a terrorist in chief that's not speaking to his truth i will i will reach across the table you want my truth that bourbon is awful still sticking in my gut so i am i've been talking about this 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 washington post headline and i and i and i put it on on the facebook page tony Katz radio facebook.com slash tony Katz radio and i actually had people on there say you're just trying to gin people up this headline's fine what, what, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? If we can't say that somebody was evil, what can we say? The problem with the Never Trump crowd isn't that they oppose things Donald Trump says and does. There are reasons to oppose things Donald Trump says and does. But not his very existence. That makes no sense and it makes you look crazy. I oppose Barack Obama on policy. When bin Laden was killed, you know what I said? Absolutely. How could you not? Michelle Obama and I probably didn't agree on policy. Did you ever hear her talk about let's move? I'm not talking about where she told kids what to eat. That was wrong. But the idea that you want to work to get kids off the couch and exercising? Of course. I was 100% behind it. I'm down. You go with yourself. That's a good, smart policy. That's a valuable thing in a society where everybody's just stuck looking at a at a, at, a, at a gaming console or whatever else. But what the Washington Post did here is first they gave in when they were telling the truth. And then they can't believe people got upset when they lied. Where's the morals? 
Where's the journalistic integrity? Where is the standard? The standard is supposed to be to tell the people who are involved and interested in social justice that they have no place in our society. Decency is different than social justice because social justice is based on how you feel. Decency, the law, justice, those are about how we treat people and how things should be applied. It should not be two sets of rules. There shouldn't, shouldn't be two types of sentencing. There shouldn't be one rule for this group and one rule for that group. It should be equal under law. And when it's not, that's when all of us should stand shoulder to shoulder and do something about it. This is two instances of having no journalistic ethics whatsoever. You can't tell the truth. And then you proactively try to hide the fact that a guy is a murderous bastard. But this, to me... You know, the Washington Post has a track record of this, and I think a lot of it has to do with whenever an enemy of the United States dies, they take a step back and they want to sound objective because, you know, the United States brings on a lot of this. And I'll give you an example, Tony. Uh, the Washington Post, when Fidel Castro died, do you remember the headline that they ran with Fidel Castro? When Was he it died? Murderous Bastard Dead? Revolutionary leader who remade Cuba as a socialist state. Fidel Castro Was dies that really night. their headline? Yes. Are you kidding? Oh my god, I never saw it. I never I never saw that headline. Oh, so this is kind of their history. So they almost got it right and they're like, "No, no, let's go back to the thing that that we do." That's ugly. Now, I I I will tell you that the way I I prefaced it on on air and I and I will do the same here. They excoriate Donald Trump and they say, "Shame on you." Mr. President, for saying that the media is the enemy of the people. Shame on you. And then they go out and prove him right. What are the rest of us supposed to do when it's clear that this headline is meant to appease social justice warriors and to uh, somehow smooth over the evil that is ISIS? I just We just went through it. The Kurds, the Turks, the Russians, the Syrians, they all hate each other. They all work with each other only because they have to, and they're fighting each other. The Russians only like the Syrians because they need a warm water port. The Syrians are only working with the Kurds because they don't want the Turks invading. The Turks are buying missile defense systems from Russia to make sure they've got their hands in all the right places. They're buying missile defense systems from Russia while they're buying F-35 strike fighters from us because they're a NATO nation. And they're even building supplies or building parts to help us build the F-35 strike fighter. Holy cow, this is messed up. This is a lot of tangled web going on right here. But they all hate ISIS. Every single one of them. And because the they're a stickler for morals. <laughs> and people are trying... Uh, what's to defend here? The one, uh, We've said this about Brian Stelter over at CNN, and I say this about people at MSNBC. Oh, I would say it about people at Fox as well. If you don't understand uh, that the, the people are right when they're exhausted by media, and you don't even understand you're part of the problem, I don't know what to do with you. It, uh, there is an, this impeachment inquiry going on, which isn't actually an inquiry, right? Because they haven't voted for it to be an inquiry, although there are some people now saying that you might actually get there because people are realizing, Democrats are realizing, that this behind-closed-doors kind of way of impeachment isn't really working with the people. People are noticing and be like, that's not cool. Well, uh, the—, the uh, oh, God, I was, I was bringing up impeachment. I, I, just, I, just lost my, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> 
I was bringing up the impeachment for, for, for a reason. And it was, it was about this doing this behind a closed doors thing. Oh, crap. I don't, uh, damn it. By the way, don't edit this out because that just oh, happened. Okay. No, don't edit it out. I can't remember why I brought need, it up. You need to drink? No, why did I bring it up? What was I? I was talking about impeachment. I was, I was Donald about, Trump. Right. Uh, the media. Donald Trump calling them the enemy. The enemy of the people. Okay, got it. I think I got it. Um, so in this, in this, you have Adam Schiff, who is the House Intelligence uh, Chairman, saying that the investigations into the origins of the Mueller report, that investigation is illegitimate. So this is William Barr, and this is a guy by the name of John Durham, who's the U.S. Attorney for Connecticut, who has been tasked with looking into, okay, we know what the Mueller report says. We know what the Mueller investigation was. How did we get to the point of the Mueller investigation? The origin story. Like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you gotta have a good origin story. How did this all begin? How did the FISA courts give the warrants to spy on Americans? All of it. And here's Adam Schiff saying that that is illegitimate. I'm so old that I remember that when you, if you called the Mueller investigation illegitimate, you were anti-American. And we had to pass laws to protect Robert Mueller even though nobody went after the man. The The... How can anybody within media not notice that hypocrisy? And it's just one of the many, many reasons people don't trust. It isn't so much the idea of they're the enemy of the people. It's that you've proven to them that they can't trust you. You've said it with your own words, CNN and, and, and MSNBC and Washington Post and New York Times. You've told us again and again and again. And then you come out with stories and you're like, what? What's the big deal? The hatred of us. I mean, that's the, the real deep, dark thing here. This headline isn't about even as much as the social justice warriors, which it is, and about limiting any level of praise for Donald Trump okaying the, the effort here. And all the praise definitely goes to the guys who did the, who did the work, who flew over. It must have been a dangerous situation, and all of them got out alive. The dog got injured is going to be okay and, and fantastic. But, like, you... you you're the ones changing the, the headline for your purposes, and you expect us not to notice and not to react. That's where this is ugly. And the thing that is comical about the corporate media bubble is that they believe that Trump is whipping up all of this hatred right, of the news media. When quite frankly, especially people, maybe a spokesman for middle America for a second time. I wish you would. Fingers Malloy. Here from Middle America. <clears throat> uh, people in Middle America have been uh, highly suspicious of corporate media for some time now. And this isn't just because Donald Trump came around that people are somehow, somehow angry with the mainstream media. I mean, for decades we've sat back and watched how corporate media in Hollywood has made Middle America look like a bunch of slack-jawed yokels. Um, and are in need of their betters in uh, the bubble to tell them what to think and how to live. Donald Trump is the Frankenstein. The corporate media has been Dr. Frankenstein. They created. So Trump this is Frank the monster because yeah. the monster isn't Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein is Dr. Frankenstein. Well, didn't Dr. Frankenstein create Frankenstein? No, Frankenstein is the Frankenstein is Dr. Frankenstein. The monster is the monster. It's uh, Frankenstein's oh. monster. Oh, Frankenstein's monster. Okay. Please, could you could you could you? I don't know if you're going to use a literary reference. Could could you 
get it right the first time? A little Mary Shelley knowledge drop? Frankenstein. Ah! Frankenstein. <laughs> so, uh, your argument is, uh, uh, is correct in that Trump created nothing. Trump pointed out what we were all talking about. And, and if we want to talk about, I, I hate the term middle America with everything in me. But if you want to talk about Wisconsin and Michigan specifically, Trump noticed those people existed and didn't think they were all bigots. Trump noticed they existed. That's a worthwhile thing. He's like, hey, I notice you. Hey, I'm aware of you. Hey, uh, I don't think you're, 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 you're bad people. You know? He's like, oh, I see you. I see you. And that matters. That was that was huge. That was absolutely imperative and important to be seen. And uh, for so many uh, on the political left, and certainly in media, those people, they should be yelled at, they should be accosted, they should be called names, they should be brought to task. And oh, by the way, pay your fair share while you go uh, every day to the plant or here or there or, or wherever else and feed your family. Right? They don't get the it – was, it was Kamala Harris in one of the debates who said, you know, some people go to a job they don't like. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, tell us more about this. Amazing revelation you had. Yes. And they don't have the luxury of just quitting. They got to keep going because they have a family to care for. And they have a life to lead. And their knee hurts. And their hip hurts. And their head hurts. And their back hurts. And they get up and they go to work. And here was an entirety – of a political party and a celebrity culture telling them that they're lazy and they're stupid and they're racist and they're bigots. And here's Donald Trump saying, we need more manufacturing jobs. That's not populism. Wait, hold on. That might be the very definition of populism. <laughs> Wait a second. I might need a bit of self-correction. But it's sure is... Dr. Blood- populism versus populism? It sure is. It's, it's recognition. And recognition is a valuable thing. When will media recognize that they are the problem? They've created the issue. They have done this. They said they were going against journalistic integrity to keep Trump from being elected. And when Trump got elected, literally the New York Times said, okay, we're back now. You can't do that to people. Well, the other thing, too, is you won't find a thinner-skinned group of individuals than journalists and people in the media. I mean, this whole conversation... And I still don't know exactly what was said about never Trumpers being human scum. I don't know if you were following this story at all, Tony. Trump called never Trumpers human scum, right? And now I'm seeing, you know, people in the media who consider themselves never Trump having an absolute conniption about being called human scum. And meanwhile, you've got. 60-some-odd million people in the United States who voted for Donald Trump that have been called deplorable, that have been called Nazis, white supremacists, even though many of them aren't white. It doesn't matter. All the names that people are called on the right, and you get called one name, and there's there's a freakout, an absolute well, freakout. Outrage is a good thing, right? Uh, people need to show their outrage. They need to uh, show that they are, are woke. They need to show that they're not going to be put upon or, or oppressed. I'm sorry, uh, that you could not have a nation less oppressive than the United States. That is different than saying that everything is perfect. That's not true. There are problems. That is true. Joe Biden was at an event where a black woman asked him um, about 
people who get pulled over who are uh, are black and how sometimes those, you know, getting pulled over can lead to a, a shooting or something uh, like that. If I was your daughter, she asks Joe Biden, how would you advise me? And Joe Biden said, if you were my daughter, you'd be Caucasian. You wouldn't be pulled over by the police. <laughs> now. Can we discuss all that is wrong with that statement? White people don't get pulled over. What a criminally insane thing to say. I bet it was a huge applause line. Though. Oh, massive applause line. But the it you purposefully kind of denigrated the conversation she's having, which is there are times, not all the time, but are times when people are pulled over and it escalates into insanity and often is because of color of skin. Now, often there are some other things involved as well. There could be how the police are treated. There could be responses. There could be driving off. A whole bunch of things. But we've seen this happen. So why shouldn't we note when it happens? It's like when we see a bad shooting. Can we not say it was a bad shooting? Because, oh, we got we to gotta protect the police. Boys in blue. Oh, gosh, we got we to gotta protect the thin blue line. Sometimes there's a bad shooting. Those cops should go to jail. The cop in Dallas who shot the guy in his own apartment... Because she was in the wrong apartment. Damn straight she went to jail. And Amber Geiger was her name. Rightfully so. How could you begin to think otherwise? That somehow she shouldn't go to jail. Of course she should go to jail. It goes without saying. That is different than saying every white female cop is somehow going to shoot somebody. They're two different things. And Biden didn't care. It was the cheap, easy applause line. These are the kinds of things that are damaging us. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten out of tickets, Tony, when I, you know, I'm pulled over and an officer says, let me see your license. And I point to the picture and say, uh, see that guy's color. I'm a white guy. That's never and then happened. They, and then they say, oh, they, I'm, they've so, just I'm walked sorry, right off. sir. Oh, uh, go about your day. When's the last time you got a speeding ticket? Um... It's been a few years because I don't go any. I, I go five over, and that's it. But I have. In, oh, at, so you're admitting it? Well, five over. They don't pull you over. For you're five admitting over. it? Oh, absolutely. Ah, so you're guilty? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm white apparently, so I can get away with going. I don't five think over. it's. A, I the last time it was about I guess three years ago on one of the side streets here in, in Indianapolis, where I was probably going. I, I might have been. I don't know. I think they lied. I think they. I, I think it was a. And you got it. And you got it. I've been scammed. Um, but yeah, but so it, of course we know that, that it's not true. The point is that it's not true. Uh, I've gotten two the, tickets in the last eight years. Really? Yeah. That's pretty good. And one every four years is fine. Yeah. You know? Um, the bigger part of that story is that it is setting the idea that everybody's against you. That everybody thinks that everyone wants to come after you. The police can't be trusted. Now, I make the argument we have to change policing in America. We have to get rid of the militarization of the police forces and the militarization of the mind. We have to change how we want the approach to be. But we want there to be an approach. There are some people who are like, well, you know, if the cop hadn't gotten out of his car, this never would have happened. Like a police officer gets shot and killed and he never got out of his car. Wouldn't have That's not an answer. That's gross. But we then create all of these, well, well, what was the, the racial implication or what was the, 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 the other implication? How did they abuse themselves? Here? And we try and create ways for people to be outraged. Well, in a society where everybody is trying to make everybody else outraged, man, you're going to get a lot of outrage. Nothing ever gets done. Certainly nobody ever feels good with this. But when it's clear and obvious 
it, the outrage doesn't come from the people who noticed the Washington Post wrote a horrific headline. It comes from the fact that the Washington Post wrote a horrific headline to diminish the evil of somebody who was killed. And for whatever reason, whether it was social justice uh, in order to protect a particular group or whether it was done to uh, limit any level of, of adulation that President Trump might get, you, no matter how it happened, it was wrong to change the headline and to change it to austere religious scholar. Like he's some professor somewhere is again just trying to create the anger and the hatred. And that and that's why people fingers don't trust media. Because we know we're getting manipulated. We know we're getting manipulated and we're just exhausted by it. So let us smoke, because that's that's what I came here to do. I thought I was gonna come here and have a bourbon, but the what the oat grain, the Woodford ugh, ugh you're still going. Thank you, Tony. The whole cube has melted, and now it looks like it looks like uh, apple un- juice. It looks like unfiltered apple juice, unfiltered apple cider. Uh, is it, dude? That's not good. That this, however, I'm looking forward to. So uh, the, the the smoke today, and and let me tell you, if you're going to be smoking at home, you're going to need a fan from Fanimation.com. Your ceiling fan professionals and fantastic sponsors of the Eat Drink Smoke podcast, where we record at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana, blendbarcigar.com. All the ceiling fans in here are from Fanimation, fanimation.com. Whisper quiet, which is what you want in your living room, in your family room. You're watching a movie or something like that. Uh, the blades are all interchangeable and customizable. So you make it look exactly the way you want it to look. The style, the selection, incredible. The colors, all of it. And they just keep working. If they move the air here at Blend Bar Cigar, they're going to move the air in your home. So if you're going to light up, especially in those outdoor areas, if you've got a porch, you want to have a ceiling fan. You want to be able to enjoy it in the summer. And you want something that you can have the LED lighting, can handle the the, the weather, and it'll work. That's Fanimation. Fanimation.com. They sell the nation over. All you have to do is go to Fanimation.com and order your ceiling fan today. And if if they ask, you tell them you heard about it on the Eat Drink Smoke podcast is what you do. Fanimation, Fanimation.com. You can actually see their stuff. You can, their Instagram is Fanimation. And go check out what it is they're doing. This is the La Aurora 107. Now, we've done some La Aurora cigars before. These are made in the Dominican. This size is not one we normally do because I usually prefer a longer stick. This is a Robusto. So Robusto, 5 by 54. So 5 refers to the length. 5 inches long. <laughs> and then 54 refers to the ring gauge, how thick it is around. <laughs> I don't, can't believe you still do that. Did you, did you see that people are actually commenting in the uh, reviews that they love the tea? Right, because they subscribe to Eat, Drink, Smoke, and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and write a five-star review. Uh, leave a review and write... Uh, no. Leave a five-star review and write a review. Do both of those things. Eat, Drink, Smoke, Apple Podcasts. So this is something they do yearly. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right because it's the first time I've had this cigar. Now, I do. I ha- we've, we've reviewed some La Aurora cigars before, and I do, for the most part, uh, in, enjoy them. I don't think they've ever been my, my all-time favorite. I, I don't necessarily always have them in my humidor, but it, it's, it's always worth trying and always enjoyable. So this is the Coseca 2007. This refers to the fact that every year they come out with a, a new batch of these. Ecuadorian wrapper. It has a mix of fillers, Brazilian, Dominican, and Nicaraguan. Uh, to it. This is, for a Robusto, much more on the full side, especially when we get into the second third of this thing. You are absolutely positively uh, going to feel this. As for flavors, 
I don't know what to tell you. And I don't know what to tell you because I'm not so sure because I haven't had it and I'm not as familiar with it what it's going to bring. But if you tell me something has got Nicaraguan filler but has got an Ecuadorian wrapper and comes from the Dominican, I, I'm, con- I'm a bit confused. Now, off the, off the first, it's burning a touch unevenly for you. And I'm curious as to why that is. It feels fine. It feels heavy, which is strange. It's a Robusto cigar. It's only five inches long. It has absolute weight to it. It has some density. You feel it in your hand. You're aware of it. The construction in and of itself is lovely. You're into those uh, fair browns uh, kind of on, on the wrapper. It's a touch of veiny, um, but it's not like some of the cigars we've seen where you can actually kind of see the, the leaf prints go around. But it's, it's a good, solid feeling cigar. Now, when something is a Robusto, maybe it'll last an hour. Maybe it'll last an hour. So if you only have a little bit less time, well then, okay. Go for it. It's, it's absolutely positively fine to do. Um, I'm curious to see where this flavor profile goes. Usually I'm able to give you, hey, you're going to get hints of this. You're going to get some feel of, of, of that. I can't do it on this one. Can't tell you what it's going to be just yet. What's the matter, fingers? It's the bourbon. You're crazy. No, no, no. I'm enjoying this, but I'm not getting any real flavor profile off of this. And that's why I think it's gonna. This is gonna be something that waits to the second, third. So sometimes, like for example, we've experienced before when we know we're dealing with something spicy, the spice starts to subside a little bit after a little while. This thing has just been lit. We barely have any ash on this whatsoever. Give it a little bit of time. Now, what I've noticed on yours, it's burning with some heat. It's burning uneven, and it's burning with some heat. So I'm not sure if you've got a, an issue there where you've got a, like, like a tube in there that's moving the air improperly, whether you've got a, a bad cut uh, on, the, uh, on, on the cap end. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm curious to see where this thing goes and where it feels. I am having a touch of that same issue, but I'm not as far. I'm struggling to keep it lit, too. Into it. Are you? Uh-huh. Okay, then you need it recut. There we go. So it doesn't feel like it's tight anywhere around it, but it could be that the cut at the cap end, sometimes you'll happen, was too shallow, and you're not able to get enough air through. So you simply just go back and recut it. Don't feel like, oh, man, I'm losing part of the cigar. Don't do that to yourself. you got to be able to enjoy it. Now, we've smoked cigars where sometimes it's like the draw is too easy, and you're just sucking right through it. And that's not enjoyable. It's got to have that right kind of feel for you. Now, does it but, matter when you recut a cigar how much you take off? Well, it's better, what, what, what you're talking about on the cap end, On the right? cap end, yeah. No, 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 no not, not, not particularly. So you're really I mean, not wasting all that much if you recut no, it. No, yeah, mean, but you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't cut like an inch down. That'd be nuts. That would be a waste of time. You know, it's, it's naturally rounded. So within that rounded area, you know, that, that's where I would go. Uh, and 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 cut it, but yeah, you are smoking totally uneven. We should get that relit for you, because you're gonna you're gonna need to because you're, you're the top of that. Well, I keep waiting for it because I have the top up. You know, yeah, for the, the heat, heat rising, rise, and but it doesn't like seem that. to be. No, it's not. So that would indicate to me there's an issue, and I don't know what that issue is. Um, I'm curious to see. Yeah, it, we've got a cut problem, so we're gonna call our guy over because if we're both having this problem. It's one of two things. It's either the cigar itself, it's either that, it's that's the issue, or it was cut improperly. I'm going to go with the idea that it was cut improperly on this one. So simple. Simple thing to arrange and take care of and think about 
just simply get it recut. That's all you want to do. Is get, my friend, <laughs> come over here. We literally, fingers and I, were waving our hands for five minutes. We need to recut these things. They both went out. That's a that's a serious problem right here. We we think it was the cut, not the cigar. If it was the cigar, where it's it's going to be a an awful scene right here. So look, I'm, I mean, I'm not going too far down. I'm just opening it up a little bit for myself, right? That's all you got to do. You know what I mean? So boom. Now give me a lighter, young man. My gosh, don't be afraid to ask for this either. In your in your cigar lounge, don't be afraid to ask for it. It's your cigar. You paid for it, right? They want to make sure that you're enjoying it. So if you're not, you just got to say the words. You got to advocate for yourself. Don't think, oh, I don't know enough. Don't think, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how that, how it's supposed to work. Don't do any of that stuff. Say, hey, this isn't working for me. Any place that's worth its salt. Like, by the way, we notice we don't edit that part out either. That actually happened. We were actually waving. Couldn't get the guy's attention. Uh, waving uh, our hands in the air. Yeah, like waving we just, them didn't, just care. didn't care. But we did care. That was the part. That was the twist. Yep. Right there. That's the you part. have to advocate for yourself. Any place worth its salt is going to be like, hey, what's going on? All right, let's take a look at this. All right, try this. And then if it doesn't work, they, they should be like, hey, let's replace it. Let's get you something else. By the way, much better. You're dealing with a handcrafted product. You're dealing with something that is a piece of art. And not every cigar gets to be rolled perfectly. Now, if you find a cigar, if four people have the same cigar and they all have the same problem, you know what you do? You avoid that cigar. You avoid that cigar. So, for example, Nat Sherman is a cigar I really enjoy. The townhouse there in, in, in Manhattan, I love. The 85th anniversary edition, I will not smoke. I have tried three of them in my life. All three of them had an absolutely horrific draw. I'm done. I won't try it again. But I've had the Timeless. I've had the Supreme. I've had the Lancero. I adore it. It's just that cigar. I'm not that doing it. It breaks my heart because I love the Timeless. <laughs> yeah, it's a much better draw. Now, I'm very curious as to whether or not... This is going to stick. You know what? Give me your lighter. Give me your lighter. Now, I am going to just retouch this. I am going to, like, like I'm welding. I'm going yeah, to yeah, so that's just like welding. retouch this. We'll see what happens. We're going to see how it goes. I don't know. It could be just me. Perfect. I will let you know how this tastes in a, in a minute. We'll get into that in a, in a second. So there's a... A story, Fingers Malloy, that you found that says America is failing. America is letting you down single-handedly. I, should I leave the story to you? Is, is that a good setup? America's pile of uneaten bacon is the biggest in 48 years. I don't even know what that means. You don't know what uneaten bacon is? This is this the bacon that accidentally gets delivered to my rabbi's place? Yes. More than 40 million pounds of pork bellies, the cut used for bacon making. Bacon making? Yep. I saw them open up for Duran Duran in 86. Thank you. We're sitting in refrigerated warehouses as of September 30th, according to the U.S. government data released Tuesday. Which, by the way, I'm really happy that we have an agency that keeps track of how much uneaten bacon is in refrigerators. Well, they're certainly uh, they're keeping track of pork bellies. They're keeping track of hogs and hog futures and everything else. I mean, just the deal with Japan alone on the trade deal, that's a huge one. Wait, you want to hear a statistic that will blow your freaking mind? Go on. Okay, now it's China, so you never know what to, what to believe. But I did a, an interview with farmers on this subject. It's what trade deals they want, whether or not the tariffs are really hurting them. And the answer is, no, it's not the tariffs. It, 
it, it's the trade deals, and they're willing to accept some short-term pain to create better deals down the road. They have to, and they know that it's better for the country and everything else. It's kind of fascinating. China has swine flu. That's not a, I mean, that's, we don't have those issues here, but they have swine flu. According to some sources, China has lost more pigs than we have. Wow. Now, you know how big pork is in, in, in America. It's huge. It's mad. Well, there's 70 million of them. It's just absolutely positively gigantic. China lost more than we have. So one of the reasons they brought this up was that's one of the reasons when people talk about, let's say, I don't, I don't want to get into a whole farming thing here, when they talk about soybeans and how soybean sales are going. Well, it, hogs and pigs, they eat soybean meal, right? They, that's what they eat. So you're selling less, not just because of the problem with the trade deals. They have less than half the hogs they used to have. You're selling less. And so once you like start understanding that, that this thing isn't the, the, the kind of superficial stuff that you see in the news. There's these deep, the, one thing feeds another thing. Literally, it's kind of amazing. You mean there would have to be some journalism involved? To dig deeper into the story to find out why I would argue there would actually have to be some caring, <laughs> because we do too, we do we do two weird things with the farmers. We want you to feed us, but we hate you for taking subsidies. And and it's it's a weird it's a weird mix. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of subsidies. I, I, I never have been. The farmers, if I've spoken to, are like uh, we hate it, but you've also created this world where you want cheap food. You want to be, we use food as a way of engaging deals with other nations on other products. So we want to keep food prices outrageously cheap. If you actually want to pay what it actually costs to get a gallon of milk to the store, okay, but you're never drinking milk again. <laughs> I hope you like dry cereal. So it's, it's part of the problem with like, like the farm bill, for example, which is also a messed up thing because the farm bill is mostly what? Food stamps. Yeah. It's mostly food aid as opposed to things that actually help the farmer. But we want cheap food. And we're, no one's willing to tell Americans, sorry, it's going to cost more. So we keep doing this. It's a weird, weird cycle. And part of it is because we've looked at the farmer to feed the world. And far, one of the things farmers are saying now is, yeah, we know that's a lie. We know that, that that's, that's, that's just not it. That's just not the, not the thing. So, of course, they're looking at hogs. They're looking at hog futures. They're looking at all these things. The question is, are we eating less bacon? Is that what's happening? Or do we just have an overabundance of hogs? Well, the overhang came after a buildup in the American hog herd. There are so many fun things to say in this piece. The American hog herd. Don't. don't whatever, whatever you're going to say. I was just well, about to talk about pork output. I thought there was a Lena Dunham joke no, coming. Oh, no, see. See, I, that's project. what I didn't want. Don't project. That's what I didn't want from you. I would never think don't of Don't be that guy. Thing. Be better. Right? As, as Melania Trump would say, be best. <laughs> Can't you do that? Well, apparently, Tony, pork output surged over the summer. Mm. Never would have guessed that. A lot of pork in the summer? Yes. Uh, through September. And we're at the, uh, the most of a supply of pork. We've been at since 1971. Hey, can I can I say something that will probably not be very popular, Tony? Sure. I like bacon. How is that not popular? Oh, wait for it. Oh, okay. I like having uh, my little farmer's omelet with a side of bacon. What's a farmer's omelet? It's a, it's an omelet with a whole bunch of 
vegetables and meats and stuff. Farmer's omelet. Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, So it's like the chef's salad of omelets? Exactly. Okay, I, I, I enjoy an omelet. I enjoy pancakes with my bacon on the side. Bacon doesn't need to be in everything. What? There are people that feel like bacon has to be in everything that they incorporate bacon in everything. Bacon brownies, bacon cookies, bacon cake. Oh, I love bacon. No, no, no. Bacon is fine. You don't need to make bacon a way of life. And if a, bacon is a way of life for you, maybe maybe, maybe you need to uh, shift your priorities a little. That's all I'm saying. Uh, is there anything else that people are obsessed by where you're like, that's too much? Is there anything else you can name where the obsession is too much for you? Only on bacon do you have yourself some kind of moral high Flavored ground? whiskey. Flavored whiskey? What the hell are you talking about? There's only one flavor of whiskey that's acceptable, and it's whiskey-flavored whiskey. There's no maple whiskey. There's no cinnamon whiskey. There's none of that. No you, mean like fi- you mean fireball? A fireball. Wait, fire- fire- hold on. Fireball is whiskey? Yes. Cinnamon-flavored whiskey. That's how they label it. That's how they market it. It's cinnamon-flavored whiskey. It says right on the bottle. Full disclosure, I've never had Fireball. I had no idea. Wait, is it really? Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Okay, you're right. That's bad. I feel that way about cigars. Flavored cigars, I'm like, no. No, 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 no. The cigar's got to have flavor. The cigar has these natural flavors. I don't want it it flavored in any way. I just typed Fireball in the search. What's the second thing that comes up? Fireball cinnamon whiskey. Son of a gun. Now, I will tell you, um, I'm not yet a third through of this cigar. First, they weren't joking. This thing is a full. This is a full-bodied cigar. And when I tell you it's built well, it's built fantastic. And now that we've got the proper cut, it's smoking great. It's smoking absolutely terrific. This has a very big tobacco feel to it. A very, very big tobacco feel um, I don't have I'm not getting any particular leather I'm not getting any particular woods uh, I'm not getting any grasses I'm not getting um, I can't say that it's overly spicy or peppery but I like what I'm doing right now and I'll tell you you're going to teehee me and that's fine I like the way it feels Tee. like it, there's just something does it make you feel safe there is something good about it, right? And I know that sounds absolutely crazy. And it's and this is this is an example of why. So this is a fifty-four ring gauge. Try it, uh, you know, with your cigar. This is why people don't smoke Lanceros in the U.S., which are, they are making a bit of a comeback. And I only hope they do. So flavor comes from the wrapper. If you've got a longer, thinner cigar, you're going to get more flavor and less of the binder and filler. I love a Lancero. A Lancero is a thin Churchill. Think of it. Think of it that way. Um, I'm curious as to where this opens up. Would you call this a comfort cigar? We have comfort um, food. Um. No, maybe. Like it just like I. This is I've we've smoked many things here. This is the first one where literally all my head is doing is hearkening to my back deck. Right, cold weather, cooler weather. You know this kind of fall going on. The La Aurora people will describe this um, dried fruits, coffee, chocolate, and hints of red fruit and citrus notes. Right? I'm not there on any of it yet. I'm curious to see as it opens up. And what I would suggest, I would suggest to somebody that they try this because I think this was like $12 a stick or $13 a stick. 
you know, if and if that, I think when you when you you could buy it somewhere else, you could buy it for like ten to eleven a stick. Well worth it. Oh, definitely worth it. But take some time. Usually, you got to take time with a you know. Oh, I've got a Churchill. I've got a you know a, a six and a, an eighth. I gotta I gotta give it a little time. I would give this some time. I really I started by saying I think this thing will burn in forty five minutes. I'm not so sure. Well, and I got to tell you, for me, this is the best time of year to smoke a cigar. Like last night. It was Sunday night. I'm out on my back patio. It's Pantsless. 50. Well, hey, everybody's got to have a hobby. Um, it was 50 degrees outside, a little crispness in the air. I had a sweatshirt on. I was smoking a cigar, and I was watching Sunday night football. And it's like, this is absolutely perfect. This is perfect cigar smoking weather to me. Fall, sweatshirt, have a cigar outside on the back deck. This is perfect. And this, this would be a great cigar it. for it. And that's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, I, there's no way I would recommend the bourbon to anyone. I would not recommend the bourbon to my enemy. I'm really heartbroken that you hate it, Tony. Oh, yeah, as you as you keep on sipping. Um, the cigar, I would, but I got to tell you, I want to see this thing open up. I want to see where I am when I'm done and how, versus how I feel now. Because this, you feel it. You feel this cigar. But I don't feel bad about it. Sometimes a cigar is strong and it's harsh. I don't feel any harsh whatsoever. It's hearty. That's a good word. That's a good word for it. I want to see if any of these other flavors come. Uh, really quick, the story of a pregnant woman. Fingers. You have hey, responsibilities. Everybody's got to have a hobby. So this pregnant woman has three kids. She's pregnant and has three kids. Didn't learn her lesson the first three times. And they're all named Fingers. <laughs> and she gets on train. She's in the U.K., She's got reserved seats. She gets on a train. She's in. She's in the dude. You're letting that ash really fly, man. Holy cow! Um, and she gets on the play on the train, and there's this older couple in two of her seats, and she says, oh, "I'm sorry, I, I, I've got those seats reserved." And they're like, "We don't care." And she's like, "Um, but but I have them reserved." And they're like, "We're not moving." But only the woman in the couple, this older couple, the man won't even look at her. Won't look at her, won't talk to her, will not acknowledge her. So two of her kids sit down. The other kid tries to squeeze in with one of the kids. She's standing. She's pregnant. This couple won't move. She eventually goes to the conductor. The conductor then moves them to a whole nother, uh, a cabin as opposed to moving this old couple. I once took an Amtrak train and got up. It was, it was pretty crowded. Got up to use the restroom. And there was a woman who was sitting next to me who was Indian. And I know this from the clothing. All right? I'm she wasn't appropriating anything? Well, so I, I don't know if the move here was pretend cultural or not. Um, right? Because sometimes people, you know, yeah, I, I, you, I've, I've seen this before. Where people will all of a sudden pretend not to understand you to hopefully you'll leave them alone. <laughs> I come back. She's laying down in my, in my seat. She's taking both seats. And I said, excuse me, I, I need to sit down. She won't move. She's waving me off. Go away. Go away. This couple is as white as the day is long. So proving to me, I I went right back to that story. I said, okay, I guess it has nothing to do with uh, people trying to pull anything to do with culture. It just has to do with the fact that some people are jerks. Not everybody's a jerk. Some people are jerks. No, you can't gloss over the rest of that story. So I'm taking it you grabbed her by the neck and threw her out of that seat, right? I did not. I did get the conductor, and he made her sit Uh, up. Drat. I like my story better. What what made you think? I I paid for the seat. This couple paid for the seat. All of a sudden, they can't uh, sit there. 
I don't, I don't know where people get the, as we say in the business, the chutzpah. I don't get why this is news. Because this woman posted it to social media and people responded well, to it. Listen, I understand why we're talking about it because it, it's a story that was reported and it was talked about on social media quite a bit. So that's not why I'm, I'm being critical of you know why we're talking about it. I understand why we're talking about it. But when did we get to the point in society, and, it, and it's basically because of social media, but when did we get to the society when, when we, we are now to the point where, uh-oh, somebody was a jerk, now it's national news? What? It's, it's, it, 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 I think it's it goes not, back to laziness of journalism. I, I, didn't have to go any, I didn't have to go anywhere to dig up this story. I saw it on social media and I but can people, report it. People read Us Weekly. They read People Magazine. It's the same. It's, it's the same exact kind of story. Is it? Well, it well, is. These are celebrities, not just some couple that snubbed a, a pregnant woman. And now like people are talking about this story around the world. And I find it fascinating that this is news. Like if, like if somebody's a jerk to us today, which I, I can't believe that that would be possible, but say somebody is in this bar. Right. And we throw it on social media and then all of a sudden it's reported everywhere? I I don't understand. Why can't we can't some social interactions not make the news? Oh, you know what, this person was a jerk to me. She handled it correctly by going to the conductor and then you know what? Happy ending, she got first class tickets for her and her family because of this. That should be the end of it. I, I, I would you go to social media over something like you didn't go over social media about your your story. No, I have a long time ago. There wasn't oh. social media. <laughs> there was. Um, I, uh, I think that that I think it's probably because it's like a look into into how people are. And by the way, I, I mean I know we talked about like people being awful this week. Not everybody's awful. Like there are plenty of good stories out there and stuff like that. People want to be connected to good stories. And part of it is that people want to be connected to, man, I'm never going to do that. Oh, I hate people like that. Why are people like that? Hey, here's a good re- Don't be like this when you grow up, kids. Like, I, like, I only hope there's some good out of it. But I, I, I'm just, I'm sometimes stunned by the, would you call it the hubris of people? Like, you know it's not your seat. What are you doing? And what made you think, well, uh, forget it. You just have to bend to my will and my whim. What makes you think you're so important? And it's the self-righteousness that I want to get out of it. And I want to, I want to dig into because that's, the, that's, that's, that's hurting us. What's the politeness hierarchy when it comes to an open seat? Who gets the open seat between an 80-year-old man versus a... Wait, was he 80? I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. Hypothetical. Okay, in that hypothetical, there are no other seats. Nobody has a reserve seat or right. anything else. Yeah, this is just no other reserve seat. So it's a hypothetical the, between who gets a seat between an 80-year-old man and a younger woman who's six and a half months pregnant. I, I would say to you that the whole train would have to be 80-year-old men and six and a half month pregnant women. Fair because enough. somewhere on that train is a 35-year-old who's supposed to get his ass up and say, here you go. Here you go. And you know what's kind of ruined that? The woman who, when you hold the door open for her, says, I don't need you to hold the door open for me. Yeah. Now, I've never actually enc- encountered that. What I encounter is when I hold door open for, doors open for people, people don't say thank you. And when I have my kids do it, and they don't say thank you to my kids, I am unstoppable. So this is a story. I think I may have told this story before. My kid actually lectured me. Oh? I, my kid is holding, my oldest is holding a, a, a door open for someone. The person doesn't say thank you. And so I say, you're welcome. 
loud as I can. And I'm pretty loud. My kid is embarrassed. Why are you doing that? I don't think it's right that they didn't say thank you. And my kid says to me, am I doing it for the thank you? And I was like, all right, you win. Yeah. I'm father of the year. I'm done. That's the, that's the answer. Yeah. That's a be- and I've not, I have not done it since because that's absolutely correct. I can't teach that jerk who doesn't say thank you. I can teach my kid to hold the door open because that's what you're supposed to do. Literally, it was a it was a mind bending experience to hear your own child, the same at the time, eleven or twelve, to say that to you. Holy cow! Well, we're in the midst of an entitlement society, a victim society. Everyone feels like they're entitled to that seat. Every I am I am sickened. My my. 15 year old is getting ready to start driver's training and she, <laughs> and she sees me go <laughs> off. someone's getting a tank right so she sees me going off every time i let someone in in a traffic situation and i let someone in and i don't get the thank you wave the thank you wave is like a it's like the hula hoop it is it is gone now nobody <laughs> acknowledges anymore when you let them in in traffic there's no thank you wave i make sure to thank i use two hands i drive with my knee yeah that's not si- safe at all to, to signal Maybe we don't need that much thank to you. signal thank you because the thank you wave is gone three people died today <laughs> in a backup on the freeway because fingers below i wanted to be nice he was uber polite three people dead they were on their way to prom. Well, you're going two miles an hour, Tony. Like, I, listen, I have plenty of experience driving with one knee while I'm eating a Big Mac and fries uh, right down the road. You are going to die, man. I'm worried about you. Oh, I'm fine. I am worried. What did you eat today? Uh, I already admitted I ate the entirety of a charcuterie plate. I ate every piece of meat and cheese on the thing. So far, I've had two cups of coffee. That's um, fine. A Mountain Lightning. Nope. What's wrong with Mountain Lightning? Everything. First the name. Then probably what it tastes like. Do you even know what Mountain Lightning is? I'm assuming some kind of Mountain Dew. We did the Mountain Dew taste test. You can find it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. What else did you have? Two pieces of toast, seven Oreos, maybe eight, and then uh, apparently all of Tony Katz's bread. bread. You ate all the bread, all the crostini (laughs) that came with the charcuterie plate. And then what are you going to have tonight? A balanced dinner? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Meat and potatoes. Um, I am done with the first third of this cigar. It is the La Aurora 107 Coseca, C-O-S-E-C-H-A, Coseca 2007. Um, I like it. I don't have a flavor yet. I like it. I don't have a flavor yet. I don't know what, I don't know what that is. Maybe, maybe, I, I think I'm confusing like the coffee and chocolate with more like an earth kind of, kind of flavor, but I'm happy. Earthy. I think that's. I'm happy, which is it's so strange, but there is nothing that is hitting me. Um, uh, ask me about it on Twitter at Tony Katz, and I'll let you know uh, as we get done with it. That's Fingers Malloy. Find him, Fingers Malloy, M-A-L-L-O-Y, Fingers Malloy, uh, com. You can find me at TonyKatz.com and Facebook, uh, Tony Katz Radio, Instagram and Twitter, Tony Katz, Fanimation.com for your ceiling fans and Backbone Bourbon. These people are incredible and great sponsors of the podcast. And, of course, Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. That is where we do our recording, blendbarcigar.com, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, five-star review, write a review, get it done immediately, if not sooner. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.